Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all new and mightier 1090 AM. Good afternoon on a beautiful Monday and welcome to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. I'm joined as always by producer G. Hewali. G, how are you? Still full, actually, from my Thanksgiving holiday, but I'm great otherwise, Arash. How are you? I am good. Yes, it was a very fulfilling Thanksgiving holiday. Had all the, uh, you know, turkey and stuffing and all that that, that comes with it on uh, Thursday. Leftovers on uh, Friday, Saturday. But, Jihei, so we really have to get into the number one story of the day here. And I and I really can't believe we are still talking about this because it, it, it's surreal to me. So on Saturday, I went to uh, the USC-BYU game at the Coliseum. And I promised myself I would not go. I kind of go through the same song and dance with you and Nick Hamilton, I think, every uh, week. And saying, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to subject myself to this program again and then saturday comes around and a friend usually calls with the ticket and says okay come on let's just go and you know what that is the sort of the beauty of college sports college football and certainly um with a program like USC, you, you kind of forget how bad the, the team is because you want to go see your friends, you want to go to the Coliseum, you want to tailgate, you want to have a good time, and then kickoff happens, and then the game happens, and usually that doesn't go so well. But I went, and during the game, I uh, got a text from a friend who is a booster, longtime booster at USC, and he asked me, do you think... Lincoln Riley would leave Oklahoma for USC. And I thought it was the most ridiculous text and question I had received. I didn't even text him words. I texted him an emoji, a laughing, crying emoji. Because why in the world would Lincoln Riley, one of the great young coaches in college football, leave a program like Oklahoma to come to the train wreck that I was watching firsthand at, at USC. Again, USC, to give them some credit, actually was competitive and led in the fourth, fourth quarter against a top 15 BYU team, but they lost. They dropped to 4-7 and seven on the season. Colise- Coliseum was half empty, half full of that half empty with BYU fans. So it was just... Depressing scene. So basically, I responded with a laughing, crying emoji because, listen, you're talking about a coach in Lincoln Riley who is 38 years old. During his first five seasons at Oklahoma, he's gone 55 and 10. His first two seasons at Oklahoma, he coached two Heisman Trophy winners who would go on to be the number one draft pick in the National Football League in Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray. He would win four Big 12 championships advanced to three college football playoffs he is the hot young name hot name but just you know when you talk about the louisiana state job when that became available his name was attached to that and really with with a school like oklahoma where football means so much i mean he could have if he wanted to sign a lifetime contract so after saturday night he was asked, "Any, you know, would you go to Louisiana State?" He said emphatically, "No, I am not going there." 
No one even asked him about USC because the thought of Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC was like just no one would have thought that that would happen. Again, I'm at the Coliseum Saturday night texting with this booster saying, I get why USC would want him. Why would Lincoln Riley want to come to USC? And then Saturday turns into Sunday. And by Sunday afternoon, G.A., we get the great news. The biggest moment in USC football since Pete Carroll left, um, Lincoln Riley was in fact, leaving Oklahoma to take over the head coaching job at USC. He has landed in Los Angeles. They are going to have a press conference at the Coliseum at 3 p.m. today to announce him as the next head coach. Um, Gia, you realize the importance of a coach in college sports. I mean, you know, superstars come and go. You recruit well, but the lifeblood of any college team is its coach. And when you can hire a young coach like this in a Lincoln Riley, again, 38 years old, think about that. You know, I mean, I I know that they were, uh, you know, kind of attached to some names out there. And I think you could always go for the um, home run hire in terms of guys who've been coaching for 20 years and, you know, proven track record and things like that. You have not only someone who has a proven track record, but you could build this program around for the next 10 to 20 years. Um, what what were your thoughts when you heard, again, Lincoln Riley coming to USC and really the significance of what this means to the program? Um, to quote Will Farrell, I thought it was a joke. I wrote it down in my diary. Victoria had a very funny joke today. Um, yeah, no, I, I couldn't believe it actually that he would leave, but you know what? I think, um, I think maybe this, maybe this coach just loves a challenge. Yeah. I mean, he took, you know, he took that Oklahoma program and, you know, built them back to excellence. I don't want to say excellence cause they're, I mean, they're still ranked 10th. So uh, I'm sure that the uh, ranking will change, uh, but they're still ranked in the top 20. Right now, right? Um, Oklahoma. Yeah, so they uh, so, so they dropped to number thirteen. They they okay. went into that game as a top ten team, and it would have been very. I wonder how this all would have played out if Oklahoma beat Oklahoma State on Saturday. They would have advanced to the Big Twelve Championship game, so that would have extended this, you know, at least a week. Um, if they win the Big Twelve Championship, you know, you know, if if they had gone into the college football playoff, like I wonder if if this would have still happened. If um, if he wins on Saturday and he has to coach for another week or so, listen, this didn't just happen. Obviously, the representatives from both sides, Lincoln Riley and USC, have been talking. I mean, there, 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 there's no way a deal of this magnitude, and we don't have the specifics yet. I would be shocked if it's not at least ten million dollars per year. Um, this doesn't just happen in a matter of like twelve hours. This is a this is a a a, a week long, weeks long, months long process where at least you're doing the song and dance. But yeah, Gia, I mean, he had the u- unique situation where Bob Stoops had built Oklahoma's program to, you know, a a top 10 school. And he takes over, and usually that's actually a very hard thing to do. When you take over a program that's like a well-oiled machine, like look look at Pete Carroll, like when he left USC, that, that was back in 2009. 
USC has not gone back to where they were since then. Lincoln Riley takes over, and his first few seasons, he, you know, he goes 12-2, and 12-2, 12-2, pandemic year, 9-2, and two, would have probably gone 12-2 if they played a full season. And this past season goes 10-2. and two. Um it's it's I mean it's just that kind of consistency of being a top five team, being in the college football playoff, winning twelve games, and now he's coming to USC. And to your point, GA, the the challenge there because USC is hit rock bottom. You know when you're four and seven or five and seven, you're not going to a bowl game, you're not getting big recruits, and you can already see the change and the difference the number of five-star recruits that are decommitting from oklahoma because of lincoln riley and are now projected to come to usc again some of these recruits are from california some of them are are right here in southern california where again historically speaking you wouldn't lose a kid from southern california to oklahoma but imagine a lincoln riley walking into your house He's 38 years old. He's pretty young. And not only that, he's coached Kyler Murray. He's coached Baker Mayfield. And oh, by the way, he's coached Jalen Hurts, who was a Heisman candidate and is a starting quarterback. I mean, if you're a quarterback right now, this is who you want to play for. And so now USC, again, for the first time since they had Pete Carroll in Norm Chow, when they had Carson Palmer and Matt Leinart and Mark Sanchez – are going to start getting the best quarterbacks and Heisman Trophy candidate players, and it all begins right now. Again, you know, them parting ways with Clay Helton when they did, I do think gave them the time to put a game plan together and to, to, to really make a full court press and say, hey, we can't mess this up. We cannot mess this up. We can't just go after a good uh, coach. We can't go after a hot young coordinator we got to get the best coach we possibly can. Yeah, I mean, you hit it, the nail on the head right there is recruitment, right? That's the thing that USC and um, maybe even California sports, um, college sports has been kind of lacking uh, is that recruitment, especially USC football. I mean, you know, Lincoln Riley is able to get these kids that are literally in his backyard now yeah. <laughs> right um so that's going to be a huge coup which is sad but he also also corners the market in the south he corners the market in the um uh in other in other areas other than in california where these guys are going to be willing to leave their homes and be like yeah i'll go i'll come to la because of yeah. Lincoln riley right so that's going to be another great um that's another great reason to get him i'm just glad that you guys swung for the fences sc swung for the fences and and tried to get them, I'm really curious as to how much they were going to pay him. I'm really yeah. curious, yeah, uh, how much they're going I to would pay him. not. I would not be shocked if this is one of those kind of, um, you know, ten year, hundred million dollar contracts. And I know that that's a lot of money, and that is sort of like that. I think that would put him in uh, the highest paid college football coach. But here's why: USC spent three hundred and fifteen million dollars refurbishing and renovating the Coliseum. So I actually took a tour of it during the game on Saturday and I'm laughing because it, it, it was half empty. So they had all these beautiful new suites, loge boxes, club seats, like just great premium 
places that, you know, again, it's not SoFi Stadium, but they kept the beauty and history of the Coliseum. And they also brought in, again, new things like suites and club seats and things like that. But what does it matter if nobody's there? What does it matter if, if again, you have these big ticket things like, uh, you know, suites and club boxes, but no one's there? And so USC has the ability to draw in, you know, sold out crowds. Again, I saw that week in and week out with P. Carroll. And I do believe as competitive as the Los Angeles market is, again, you got the Lakers and the Dodgers and now with the Rams and the Chargers, USC at its best can be this city's third most popular their popular team. They were when Pete Carroll was here. They were when they were competitive. They can be that again. I know, listen, Los Angeles is a fickle sports town, but they're a fickle sports town because they, they can be. But I also think that that, puts the teams in the city in a position where they have to swing for the fences. Why? Because when Clay Helton was hired in 2015, Los Angeles did not have a pro football team. For 21 years, USC effectively was Los Angeles professional football team. And then when you get the Rams in town, then you get the Chargers in town, and then you get the $5 billion SoFi Stadium. And not only that, the Rams and Chargers, they're swinging for the fences, you know, right? I mean, and again, by, I know both teams are not playing that well right now, but they bring in a Matthew Stafford and a Jalen Ramsey and a, like, a, 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 a Hodel Peckham Jr., uh, you know, I mean, they are swinging for the fences. Why? Because you have to in Los Angeles. And I think that was the thought process here with USC, with Mike Bone looking at his first big hire. He had to swing for the fences. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get Lincoln Riley, but they went all in. And th- there is something about Mike Bone. And we've been talking about this on the show. We talked about it with Nick Hamilton he gets it. And I know he got a lot of flack, me included, when he came in. And I said, how the heck can you keep Clay Helton on the job? This is the easiest de- decision you will make. But perhaps, and we don't know the full story, but perhaps they could not find the right coach they wanted to replace Clay Helton. Now, when they finally had a fire Clay <laughs> Helton just two games into the season, I think they had to. I mean, the, the, he, he, he had lost his team. He had lost the fan base. But I think the timing worked out perfectly where they n- not only kind of separated themselves from Helton, but bring in a coach who's going to be the be the foundation for this program for the next 10 to 15 years. Yeah. I mean, again, you have to, though. I, I think Mike Bone was looking at, you know, Go big or go home, man. And and he went and he went big for sure. Um, again, just looking, really wondering. I mean, ten years, a hundred mil. That doesn't seem far fetched. As yeah. horrible as that sounds, it does not seem far fetched. Um, but the Coliseum does have other events that they can bank off of, right? Twenty twenty six World Cup. I'm sure that there's like some future um concerts. Uh, scheduled as well, uh, things that they can help out. But it doesn't help that your stadium is half full, right? And your ticket sales. Did you actually f- find out how uh, much tickets are 
like how much they dropped after this season? Well, I know, for example, you know, you could get in the door at a U. So just using the last game, like as an example, I mean, 15 bucks, you got a ticket in the house. I mean, that, that was not the case back when USC was good. So, I mean, it, it was dirt cheap. I mean, I, I think that's why, you know, I, I kind of enjoyed going to games with friends of the last couple of games, despite how poor USC was. I mean, if you could walk up to the gate and, and, and get a ticket for 10, 15 bucks, you know, that's a win. To your point about the Coliseum, though, you do need – so USC is your, like, ganker tenant. And not only that, like, USC season ticket sales, parking, concession, merchandise, like everything, that is the lifeblood of the athletic department at USC. So if you get the World Cup, if you get a couple – if you get one or two soccer matches in four years in 2026, if you get some track and field in 20 – like that's – like you need more than that. You need USC to sell out the Coliseum. And more so than that, you need to sell these premium seats that you've built. Again, $315 million to get suites, club boxes, loge boxes, things like that. I mean, you need to have a competitive team. And if you're going to spend money on the infrastructure of the Coliseum, you have to also spend it on the product itself. Because at the end of the day, you do know that USC will draw when they have a competitive team. Not only were they not competitive this season, GA, they were as bad as they've been in program history in terms of giving up over 40 points a game, in terms of getting humiliated at home by Stanford, uh, Utah. Uh, you know, giving up 62 points, come on, to UCLA. So this was a product that they were embarrassed by, that they had totally said, I don't want to waste my time going there because it is a production to go to the Coliseum. As much as I loved and still love, clearly I just went there on Saturday, um, it is a struggle to go there in terms of parking and lines and things like that. And so if you have a good product on the field, you know the track record is there with, with, with USC. I mean, the reason that they are so beloved here is they've been here forever, you know? And so it's not like the Chargers who are still trying to figure out that their place here because they moved here in 2017 or the Rams who've been gone for 21 years and came back in 2016. I mean, USC has been here, and they know that when they have a competitive team, when they have a team that, for example, goes 12-2, and two, wins the Pac-12 championship, is in the college football playoff, they will draw. So they had to spend money. We don't exactly know the figure yet. But again, would not be shocked at all if that price tag is $10 million a year for a 10-year, for example, $100 million contract. Yeah. Again, I'm just really curious as to see what he, uh, what he will be making. But to your point, Arash, yeah, I mean – there's a, obviously as a 10 in the Coliseum and that that is one of the reasons why I think that fans are so disappointed because they're used to greatness. Um, but yeah, they do in order to make money, they do need to do, they just need to do more. They need to sell more. They need like, it just talk about, you know, trying to recoup from the pandemic and then, and then this happens, right. Um, yeah. This probably doesn't help their cause. So yeah. Um, I'm kind of curious to get your point of view on this, going back to their offense. Didn't they have an air raid offense and they're trying to get away from that? And that's something that Lincoln Riley, just to play devil's advocate, yeah. does, doesn't Lincoln Lincoln Riley have an air raid office, offense? 
Yeah, I, well, I, I, I think the issue there is, is if it's coached properly. So in terms okay. of having that like offense is not a, a problem per se. It is a problem when you don't have a coach who knows how to coach players and really lead them to Heisman Trophy winning seasons. So well, let's see what they do now. Perhaps Jackson Dart is the quarterback next year. And if I'm him, I am, you know, I am ecstatic that my coach, Lincoln Riley, led Kyler Murray to a Heisman Trophy and the number one overall pick. Baker Mayfield to the Heisman Trophy, number one overall pick. Jalen Hurts, Heisman candidate, currently starting quarterback in the, the National Football League. So just a, a really a great moment for USC right now. Um, and again, 3 p.m. press conference at the Coliseum. I'm going to be there. We're going to play some of that sound for you uh, tomorrow. But when, when we come back, more on the big hiring at USC, what happened with the Lakers over the weekend. We'll talk about all that and more when we come back right here on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California and 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. We will be right back with the Arash Markazi Show. And you are listening to a new generation of radio, the all-new and Mightier 1090 AM. You are listening to the Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio, the all-new and mightier 1090 AM. Welcome back to the Arash Markazi Show on the mightier 1090 in Southern California and the 98.5 The Fan in Las Vegas. Again, a big day for USC. They will be uh, officially welcoming Lincoln Riley as the next head coach, the new head coach at USC, 3 p.m. press conference at the Coliseum. Um, just a really big moment for USC. I knew that they would swing for the fences. I knew that they would go for that home run higher. You can say that. That's one thing. Again, you can say that, but actually doing it is something completely different. And again, this is the first time in 20 years that USC has gone outside of the program and, and, and hired a big name. Again, when they hired Pete Carroll back in 2001, 20 years ago, um, they wanted to go for that home run hire. They went after Mike Bellotti and Dennis Erickson and Mike Riley and Sonny Lubick. And again, famously, Pete Carroll was the fifth choice. And not only was he the fifth choice, I mean, he, he was kind of someone who was there. His daughter was on the volleyball team. He was not currently employed. He was doing like an online column, uh, was again like kind of like you know you we've gone after four head coaches they've all said no to us and now we're talking to this guy who again you know Pete Carroll had been a head coach obviously he was the head coach of the Patriots head coach of the Jets but he wasn't a hot name and when he was hired I think a lot of people said are you getting another like pro football coach retread like Paul Hackett I mean like he was not a popular hire but for the first time in 20 years, USC is going outside of his coaching tree. Because, again, when Pete Carroll left to go to Seattle in 2009, they replaced him with Lane Kiffin. When they fired Lane Kiffin, they replaced him with Steve Sarkeesian. Again, both of those guys were Pete Carroll, the disciples, Pete Carroll's coordinators. And then when you go to Clay Helton, I mean, he was an assistant below those two guys. 
So they always stayed within that Pete Carroll coaching tree. The problem is none of those guys were Pete Carroll. And trying to recreate the magic that Carroll had from 2001 to 2009 was not possible. At some point, they had to move on. And finally, for the first time today, with the naming of Lincoln Riley as the head coach at USC, they have officially moved on. And they've done so with the best young coach in college football, which is still amazing to me when you talk about Lincoln Riley being at Oklahoma in his first five seasons, going 55 and 10. Again, going 12 and 2, 12 and 2, 12 and 2, pandemic year 9 and 2, then 10 and 2, college football playoff, Heisman Trophy candidate quarterbacks, Heisman, Heisman Trophy winning quarterbacks. I mean, this hire changes the game, not only for USC, Los Angeles sports, and the Pac 12, because USC was dying a slow death. Going to that game Saturday, seeing the Coliseum half empty in the first time since I can remember that there were more opposing fans than home fans for that to now change for the Coliseum perhaps to be sold out again for them to have a coach like a Lincoln Riley that's going to bring in top recruits and it was always amazing to me by the way that at the very least USC recruits itself for for for, for USC and they they did this a couple of times with Clay Helton as their coach to fall to last place in the Pac-12 in recruiting. So you're falling behind Pullman, Washington. You're falling behind Corvallis. For, for, for USC to, to be a last place team in the Pac-12, not only just the standings, but in recruiting, and to fall outside of the top 65 in recruiting, USC should at the very least recruit itself. You should not need one of the best coaches in the country to recruit at a USC that's how fall, how far the program had fallen. Where, where, where the whole, the, the kind of the stink of the time with Clay Helton had driven so many of the best prospects from California, not only to like competing schools in the Pac-12, but to Oklahoma. Why? Because of Lincoln Riley. Now Lincoln Riley is coming to Los Angeles, and so many of these kids who have committed to other schools. And then when you're from Los Angeles, you're not looking to leave home, but you are looking to go to a top tier program. You are looking to go to a school where you can compete for a college football national championship, win a college football national championship, win a Heisman trophy. And you, you, you do that by hitching your wagon to a coach like a Lincoln Riley. And now that he's at USC, all these recruits, are going to start staying. They're going to start getting recruits from around the country. And, GA, you know this well. Um, when you have a top-tier coach, like a Coach Key, and, and again, you know, he's young, so I don't want to you know, compare it to what Coach Key is. But, you know, you hitch your wagon to a coach because you're thinking, if I'm with that coach, he's going to lead me to where his other players have gone. So if you're a young quarterback, for example, and you're watching the Baker Mayfield – and Kyler Murray, and Jalen Hurts, and you know that Lincoln Riley was their coach, that's where you want to go and play. So now USC has that coach, and we're going to start seeing, and it, it, I really don't think it's going to be a, a two-year turnaround or a three-year turnaround. I, I really think they're going to be competitive and contending next year, 
And two years from now, I think we'll, we'll be seeing USC right back in the college football playoffs because the recruiting process, the influx of talent will begin today. Well, yeah, and a lot of his recruits that were committed to Oklahoma are now obviously Dasvidanya. They're gone, right? Like they've decommitted. Yeah, yeah. They're not going. Whether they hitch their wagon back to him and go to USC, that still remains to be seen. But, um, you know, the, again, the recruitment process, now you're going to have these kids that are going to be coming back or are going to be staying in California that normally would be going to be, other big time programs like Alabama, Oklahoma, um, you know, uh, Georgia, et cetera. Like n- now there's this po- actual possibility, which that will make the program turn around a lot quicker. If you can get kids right now to come around um, and, and commit to SC in 2022 or 2023, <coughs> excuse me, um, that'll, that'll definitely help out the program. But you know what? I think with anything, even though he's the young hot ticket, I think with anything, it still takes time. So, yeah. I mean, I would still give him, I know, I know SC fans are super psyched and they're like, really, they're already in about it right now. But I still say, you know, give this guy some time because he's still going yeah. to have to incorporate his offense. He's still going to have to incorporate his staff. He's still going to have to incorporate so many different things that um, that, that take time. So, but I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. psyched, but I'm psyched for yeah. him. You know, I, I can't wait to see what he brings to the table um, and hopefully changes SC football. And you know where he's probably going to live, by the way. I mean, I, it, it is that would be awesome <laughs> that that a, a USC coach is not going to live in Manhattan Beach. And I don't know how long this has happened, but you know, Pete Carroll was in Manhattan Beach, Steve Sarkeesian was in Manhattan Beach, Lane Kiffin was in Manhattan Beach. I don't think Clay Helton was here, but uh, but yeah, listen. I mean, like even when Cliff Kingsbury was here for like a minute, he changed his background to the Manhattan Beach Pier, and we had drinks at the Strand House. So it is part of life when you become. The USC coach, I, I, I can almost assure you, G.A., that following his press conference at the Coliseum today at 3 p.m., I would not be shocked to see him at the 900 Club or somewhere else, kind of like looking around to see where he is going to live. Famously, by the way, Lane Kiffin would always take the recruits to the Strand House, show them the sunset, show them the Pacific Ocean and say, hey, this is your new home. And I was always kind of interested, like, did those kids ever come back to Manhattan Beach after that? Because obviously USC is not, you know, it's it's a half hour drive, but it's not like right next door to USC. But um, yeah, listen, I, I agree with you. Give him some time. I, I do think, you know, because Pete Carroll was – he was able to turn the program around so quickly. I think there is that kind of expectation or hope that Lincoln Riley will do the same again. You know, Pete Carroll comes to USC, takes over for Paul Hackett, who was five and seven in his final year at USC. He goes six and six his first year. Then the very next year, he goes 11 and two. And so I think there's a lot of people out there who are thinking, well, you know, uh, listen, he's not going to turn it around next year, but in two years, could this team be a 12-win a college football playoff team? I think that they could be, but I think you're right. I, I, I think we give him some time. Generally speaking with college coaches, you give them four years. You, you allow them to have their own recruiting class, their own players, Um But finally, USC has swung for the fences and they've brought in a real home run hire that that, that at the very least, they have a coach that that around the country is revered as one of the top coaches. And so it's not like they went for some 
you know, coordinator. I mean, that's what always got me about Clay Helton is that Kiffin and Sarkeesian had lowered the bar to the point that they thought it was an acceptable for Clay Helton, who had never been a head coach before, to effectively learn on the job. I mean, to 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 have Clay Helton be the head coach at USC, you know, it's one thing when you fire Steve Sarkeesian and you really didn't have a choice. You name Clay Helton the coach. And what the guy goes like, I think like six and two or something. And and you 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 what kind of a coaching search did Pat Hayden do that he thought, well, you know what, the best guy for the job is this guy who's never been a head coach before. It, it never made sense to me. I mean, they lowered the bar for the USC football program so low that that like Clay Helton won 13 and 11 like over his past 25 games when Mike Bone you know came here and they thought that that was acceptable you know in, in no way is being a 500 program an acceptable result for USC so we'll see how long it takes Mike Riley I mean I, I, by the way I keep saying Mike Riley because Mike Riley for the longest time was thought of to be the next head coach at USC, Mike Riley, of course, who went on to be the head coach of Nebraska and uh, and things like that. But yeah, anyways, Lincoln Riley. We'll see how long it takes him to turn things around with the uh, with the uh, Trojans. But excited for the press conference uh, today. I, I do have to bring up the big college football, college basketball game. By the way, G. College basketball, Gonzaga and Duke. I, I was watching that game Friday night. To thinking of you again. We have so much happening in Los Angeles, but I would be remiss if I didn't bring up a very significant win for your Duke Blue Devils there in defeating Gonzaga. So, by the way, Gonzaga totally blew out UCLA really showed that they were not one of the top two, top five teams in the country. That Gonzaga-Duke matchup was fantastic. Uh, What were your thoughts watching, again, Duke? I don't want to say like an upset, but listen, Gonzaga was number one. They were the favorites. I think you probably handled yourself pretty well because Duke got some points. Your uh, thoughts on Duke beating Gonzaga over the weekend? It's about flipping time. (laughs) It's about time. I mean – these kids are great, though. You know, th- this roster is wonderful. Mark Williams, if you didn't know who he is, you better know now. Because I, I obviously, I watch Duke basketball religiously, so I know who Mark Williams is. But not the, the world now knows, right, who this kid is and how great he can be. He's the one that had all five blocks for the Duke Blue Devils. Um, defensively, just he kills it. Um, he's still able. He needs to be utilized a little bit more in the offense. That would be great. But I get it because, you know, Paolo's there. So why would you utilize him in the offense when you have Paolo who can score 21 points? I think the only disappointing thing, um, I want to give the good with the bad, but the only disappointing thing was that Paolo didn't really play in the second half. And it's understandable. And he only had one point in the second half, but it was due to cramping and they got to fix that. That's something that's like very fixable, right? Like maybe he has a potassium deficiency because this isn't the first time that it's happened. You know, this yeah. is this is now like the second or third time where you see him on the sidelines and they're taking a foam roller to him or they're taking a um, like little cramp gun and and uh, trying to get his muscles moving. And so um, maybe there's a little bit something more. Maybe they need to change his diet or something. I don't know. Uh, Trevor Keels, love him because he does all those intangibles, right? Like he he may have only had, I think, six points. Yeah, he may have only had six points. 
six assists, four rebounds. But that kid does stuff that, you know, defensively, you know, other people just don't do. So yeah. uh, re- really grateful for him. Roach is coming into his own, which is amazing. Jeremy Roach, glad he stayed one extra year. He needed to stay one extra year. He was not going to be a one and done, like everybody said. And Wendell Moore is finally stepping up into the role. Everybody thought that this kid was a bust, right? I think he's a junior yeah. now. So like everybody thought that Wendell Moore was a bust and he just showed that he wasn't, you know, that he he deserves to be there, right? So r- really, really uh, happy for him. But going on to Gonzaga, I mean, man, Ch- I Chet Holgren. To be honest with you, though, he's still Chet Holgren. He's still going to be a top. He's either going to be number one or number two uh, because you can't teach height. I mean, he's a pure seven footer. Yes, he needs to gain weight. Yes, he needs to get quote unquote stronger because they hammered him down there. But I'm comparing him to maybe a little bit even better to a Kevin Durant. I, like, I'm just going to drop the mic and say it. He is very comparable to Kevin Durant where you may see him and look at him and he's like, oh my gosh, he's so thin and he looks so frail. Like, what can he possibly do? But get him on that court and he you can obviously see he did only have 16 points because he was in foul trouble, I believe. Uh, mm. But, you know, uh, kid's good. Like you just you you can't teach height and the kid's very talented. So looking forward to that. Drew Timmy had a disappointing night though. I was I was kind of disappointed in that performance. I thought that they were gonna but they kept it tight. They kept it tight. Technically the second half score was tied. Um you know, Duke was able to pull it out. So this was great. And I love the fact that Duke wasn't favored. So yeah. forget you, Vegas. That's what Duke basketball can do. And if you look in the stands, I don't know if you saw this, Arash, but if you look in the stands, there was a lot of Blue Devil Blue out there. Yeah. So they traveled extremely well and supported their team, which was great. I wish I was out there supporting with them. I would have loved to go and get a ticket because it was only like, I think it was, like, this sounds horrible, but it was only 150 I think, for a game. Like the cheapest ticket was 150 bucks, which in Vegas, that's great, yeah. in my opinion, and at T-Mobile Arena. And... This was the first time I think T-Mobile Arena was completely packed and sold out, like at like a hundred percent capacity, like just, um, you know, the rafters railing, and it just it looks like a really cool environment, uh, to to be in. So I'm happy for them. We're now number one, which that kind of scares me. Um, I, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't really, I, I I'm not a huge uh, AP coaches poll uh kind of person i don't really like it when we get ranked number one because you can always fall from that pedestal i would rather we keep that number five ranking (laughs) but you know they already made their choices that's great uh very happy for the duke blue devils it was an amazing game to watch that and that was college basketball that just made that made college everybody who those who didn't get to watch the game or those that just didn't choose to you missed out. It was a wonderful game to watch. It was there was no such thing as sloppiness. Like that's a championship caliber uh, game right there. Uh, Duke versus Gonzaga. I hope we see another one very very soon. Hopefully in March, and we still yeah, get the no, win. <laughs> and again, I mean, normally, like we we've, we've talked about on the show, like I'm not a big college hoops fan. Uh, prior to really the uh, tournament, certainly not before. Uh, Christmas, but that that was a lot of fun to watch again. You know, Las Vegas being the center of the college basketball world, having number one versus number two Gonzaga at UCLA, and then Gonzaga versus Duke. So that was a lot of fun uh, to watch. Um, Gee, on the flip side of that, not doing so well. The two 
teams in Los Angeles, the the uh, the Rams and the Chargers, not only both losing, but losing in the fashion that they did, really getting blown out, you know, really not close games, uh, you know, through the first half of the season, it looked like we we could possibly get, and I know this was a pipe dream, but anyway, you know, through the first half of the season, it looked like we could possibly get Rams, Chargers, Super at SoFi Stadium, uh, at the very least Rams. I mean, Rams for, through the first half of the season were 7-1, and one. Um and then during that kind of stretch, or like once once they, they they got past that seven and one, they add Von Miller, they add Odell Beckham Jr. Gee, they've lost three straight, but not only that, I mean, kind of getting manhandled, kind of getting blown out, kind of not really performing up to their expectations against three of three good teams. And I think that's important to note because you can get fat off of below 500 teams all you want. At the end of the day, if your hope and dream and goal, obviously, is to win a Super Bowl, you have to um, you have to beat a, a, a above 500 team. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, the way that they've played these last three games, GA, and getting blown out, uh, I know it was technically a one-score game, but not feeling good right now when I look at the Rams, when I look at the uh, Chargers, uh, you know, we'll see how they recover, but the Rams just 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 don't look like a Super Bowl team right now. They certainly don't uh, look like a team that's going to be contending for the uh, the uh, championship. The uh, Chargers, you know, I really didn't come into this season with uh, huge expectations for them, but. At the very least, you know, when you are five and three, you're number one in your division, you're four and one to start the season. Everyone's talking about Daly being one of the, you know, hot new coaches in the league. Really surprised by the Rams and Chargers right now. Really, really disappointed with the Rams in particular, just because they went all in this year. Again, seven and one to start the season. You bring in Von Miller, you bring in uh, Hodel Beckham Jr., and they have not won a game since. All right, James. Let's leave it there for today. That's all the time we have. Let's do it again tomorrow. Until then, this is Arash Markazi saying stay safe and stay healthy. The Arash Markazi Show on a new generation of radio. The all-new and mightier 1090 AM. So it's hard to knock it. Everybody got their own thing. Currency chasing worldwide through the hard times. Worrying faces. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.